guys, welcome back. This is Cece and this is the 21st Century Cripple. This is the first episode of the year and the first episode of the decade. And I wanted to start it off by saying thank you to all my new listeners and old listeners. Thank you so much for sticking with me and allowing my words to mean something to you and allowing my story to change your perspective in any way. I, I, I feel extremely blessed and extremely thankful that people are gravitating to what I'm saying. So um, I'm starting this podcast off by extending my thanks, my thanks and my appreciation. So please remember to share this podcast on every social media website that you can when you hear it, because the more people the he- the more people hear and the more my story gets out and the more people become aware, that is really the goal. So I want to thank everyone for sticking with me and sticking with this 21st century cripple. And we are going to get in to the sixth episode of this podcast, the medical side of cerebral palsy. I do understand that everyone's medical experience with any disability is very different. Um, This is my personal experience having cerebral palsy. And of course, I will drop some knowledge on the other types of cerebral palsy as well. But of course, I can only speak from what I know. So this is my personal story, my medical issues that I have dealt with up until now. I'm 24 years old and I've had four major surgeries and I know there will be more to come. So I'm going to speak on my life medically and why hospitals are considered my second home and why I'm considered a half a cyborg. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we're going to get right into this, the first episode of the year. It's so exciting. So thank you all for listening and thank you for allowing me to share my story with you and we're about to get it started, you guys. So before I get started speaking on the medical things that I go through regarding surgeries and just the medical needs that I have in general, I wanted to remind my listeners the kind of cerebral palsy that I have. I have spastic cerebral palsy, which essentially, like I said in my first episode, is brain damage. It's damage to my brain's motor cortex, which controls voluntary movements. It's also caused by damage to the pyramidal tracts of your brain, which relay signals to my muscles. So my brain is sending signals to my muscles or not sending signals to my muscles, which is, um, it affects your mobility. It causes stiffness. You can't straighten your legs out, your feet out. Um, You can't move, you can't really balance as well. So that's the kind of cerebral palsy that I have. Um, I must remind my readers, there are four types of cerebral palsy. So if you don't relate to my kind of cerebral palsy, there are four different kinds. Spastic is just the kind that I have. And um, I just wanna get started on my medical story. So for as long as I can remember, I have been receiving Botox injections. And yes, I said Botox injections. Yes, it's the same kind that all the people in Hollywood seem to be using. Um, they are, it's essentially the same drug. Um, it actually loosens up your muscles, which I'm really confused as to why everyone that gets it in their face looks so stiff. Because when I get it in my legs, it loosens up my legs and I'm able to move around and straighten out my legs for like the first time in months. And um, it's a sense of relief, essentially, at least for the first two weeks. My legs feel looser. They feel less stiff. And um, so I guess Botox are a good thing. 
But again, nothing with cerebral palsy is a permanent fix. There is no cure. So I have to keep going back and getting these injections. And I have to get them every three months. And they are not fun to get. And I at least get eight in each leg. And they're painful. And for that day, at least, I'm very sore. And I don't want anyone to touch me. But again, afterwards, um, in my opinion, it's worth it. Because you do feel some relief. And... I do fall less when I get my Botox injections. Um, so Botox has always been a part of my life. Physical therapy, braces on my legs. They're called AFOs by the medical community. And I have always walked with, I've had walkers, crutches, braces, I've had it all. Um, and of course, as I got older and you know peer pressure and being bullied and whatnot, I kind of opted to away from using things that I had no problem using when I was younger. Um, but you know, kids are mean and when you're bullied and you wanna look nice and your braces don't go over your skinny jeans, you have to make some adjustments. So as, as I've gotten older, I've, I don't wear my braces anymore, my AFOs. Um, for those of you that don't know what they are, it's essentially like they mold our legs. Um, uh, like like we're getting a cast of some sort and then they cut off the mold and then they make this plastic brace that you put on your leg to straighten it out um, it's very sweaty very uncomfortable very stiff um, because your leg has to stay in that position all day long when you have the braces on um, and you often have to buy like a size up in your pair of shoe because it alters the size of your foot so those weren't very comfortable, but they did help. Um, I supposedly did walk a lot straighter when I was a kid, but um, that is also due to my surgeries, not just due to the braces, but Botox, physical therapy, braces and crutches, and just pain in general, and um, struggle getting around, like walking in narrow spaces. I can't walk up stairs or up curbs or anything um, really without holding on to something or someone because I just can't do it. My balance is not there. I can't ride a bike um, because you have to have balance to ride a bike. You know, so anything mobility-wise that requires walking, standing, or balance is kind of an obstacle for me. Um, and with that, having cerebral palsy and modern medicine, I have had four surgeries in my life. And my mom... Um, was doing it for the most part as a single mom and she would never let me go through a surgery if I didn't have a say. Um, even at a young age I was very cognizant of my disability and I was always telling people what cerebral palsy was because I was always getting questioned at a very very young age. So I was aware that I was getting surgeries and I was never told to do so. I always chose to get these surgeries. So the surgeries that I have had, I have had two tendon release surgeries, one back surgery, one reconstructive leg surgery on my left leg and a knee surgery on my left leg. A tendon release was my first surgery and I got that at six years old. Um, it was a surgery on both of my legs and I was in a double cast from literally my groin to my foot. So a double cast on both of your legs for the entire summer of being six years old. And essentially that surgery, what it did was they went 
behind all the major muscles in my legs so my hamstring my knee my groin and behind my ankle i'm not sure what that muscle is called but behind my ankle on both of my legs mind you people both legs um i had surgery when i was six years old um that was my first experience with like a major medical procedure the recovery time to my knowledge and my memory was that entire summer and I know that I had to relearn how to walk again retrain my legs how to work again how to put one foot in front of the other how to balance how to run and I don't run I never run unless I'm being chased (laughs) it's not something that I choose to do ever but um you know learning how to walk in general I had to relearn how to walk at six years old um And then I had another major surgery at three years later, at nine years old, I had a rhizotomy done. That was more of an experimental surgery. The doctors really were doing the surgery to see if it would help my cerebral palsy. It was no definite answer like this will help your cerebral palsy. It was really um, an experiment. I was kind of like a guinea pig to these doctors. That was probably the most the most surgery that I had to deal with the most repercussions, I would say. Still to this day, I have um, nerve damage in my upper legs. I have no feeling in my upper legs whatsoever. So from my hip to my kneecaps, I have barely any like sensational feeling in my legs. So if you touch me or burn me or stab me or get a tattoo, which I do have a tattoo on my thigh because I didn't feel it, so I cheated. (laughs) Um, I have no feeling um, in my upper legs and that is due to the rhizotomy because essentially they fucked with my nerves. They went and they cut up a whole bunch of nerves in my lower back that had to do with my legs and they said, here, see what it does. So, um, I don't really... I don't really know if my walking improved from before that surgery to after, but I do remember that 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 was the most gruesome recovery that I had. I remember being in the intensive care for at least three months after that surgery and again, learning how to rewalk. I had to do pool therapy, intensive physical therapy in the hospital. I wasn't even allowed to leave until I was able to walk. I was in a wheelchair at nine years old. I wasn't able to walk. I couldn't do anything. Um, but I was I was a resilient kid. I was in the Special Olympics. I was kicking ass. I was strong. I was proud. You know, I didn't really see myself as a victim, and I still don't. Um, you know, but when you're a kid and you have surgeries, you tend to bounce back a lot faster than when you're an adult and you're going through surgery. And I figured that out in 2017 when I had my leg reconstructive surgery. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, and again, so this rhizotomy was sort of an experimental surgery. Um, they cut up the nerves in my lower back. I have a huge scar in my lower back. Um, and I kind of have back issues because of the surgery. But I have, my feet are super, super, super sensitive to touch because of that surgery. And my left leg kind of veers off to the left side. Um, my left foot, sorry, veers off to the left side and it didn't do that before. Uh, if you look at your feet right now, they're pointing straight. They're going straight because that's the alignment of your body. My left foot is veering completely off to the left. Um, and that has been happening ever since I was nine years old, ever since I got that surgery. So really most of my life, honestly. Um, so that is some of the 
recovery woes that came with having a rhizotomy. And then when I was 13 years old in eighth grade, I had another tendon release surgery on both of my legs. But this one was a little bit less abrasive. Um, it was a same day surgery and I only had a cast on one leg. So I remember going back to school and everyone like, oh, Cece, what happened? And wanting to sign my cast or, you know, the bullies threatening that they would break my other leg, not knowing that they're stupid and my leg wasn't broken at all. But um, <laughs> so I had to deal with that surgery again, a tendon release surgery to um, lessen the pain and loosen up my muscles a little bit permanently. Essentially, it's like what the Botox do, which is loosen up my legs the muscles in my legs but a tendon release surgery is kind of like more permanent and obviously abrasive since they go in there with like a laser or you know scalpels and whatnot so <coughs> I've had two tendon release surgeries one back surgery major and one leg reconstructive surgery and a knee surgery at the same time and I had those surgeries in 2017 when I was 22 and I must say that when you are a kid our bounce back is so much easier than when you're an adult um the surgery that i had in 2017 that was so hard um i know that i'm gonna have to go through it again probably with my right leg and i am dreading that day honestly if i'm being real i am dreading the day that i have to go back in for another surgery because as an adult when you're trying to recover it is so much harder you feel every ounce of the pain um you you feel the side effects of the medication they're trying to put you on you feel you know you feel kind of like a burden to people that are helping you even though i know that i'm not you know, you don't want everyone to have to worry about you all the time. But when you when you have such a major surgery and it affects everything that you do, um, you, you kind of can't help it. You kind of have to, to sit your butt down and um, accept the help being offered to you. Um, when I had this leg reconstructive surgery, it was honestly because I fell um, a couple of years prior and I tore my meniscus in my left knee and I had no... Uh, knowledge of it I wasn't aware besides the fact that I was honestly in pain but I thought that it was just you know part of the cerebral palsy pain because if you have seen my knees which is kind of a weird statement sorry but if you have seen my knees they are I have like permanent scars from falling and scabbing um, because I always fall and I always get bloody scalpy knees from you know just everyday falling with cerebral palsy so I figured that the pain that I that I was having in my knee was due to the fall, but it turned out to be something more serious. And because I went so long without it being treated, the cartilage in my left knee essentially dissipated. So there was no um, there was no structure. There was nowhere for my leg to go. So my knee was grinding against it itself, essentially, and my left leg was. My entire left leg from my hip to my knee was turning inward to my left. So if you look at old pictures of me or you saw me walking back then before I had the surgery in 2012, my left leg was always turned inwards and my foot was always off the ground because, um, you know, your muscles and your my bones were all, um, you know, getting used to going the opposite direction that they should. So I had to get a leg reconstructive surgery where the doctors literally broke my femur bone and my tibula bone 
broke it, snapped it in two, both of them. So I had my leg in four pieces and put it back together by rods and screws. So right now my left leg is entirely made up of titanium rods. My knee is, has titanium in it, um, like a knee, uh, what's it called? A knee reconstructive surgery. So I have a artificial knee in there and I have giant screws in my knees to keep that together. And then I have screws in my fibula and my tibula. Um, that was a, I didn't have a, I didn't have a cast for that surgery, but my leg was broken for nine months, um, and I was attending Texas State at that time, so you can only imagine the pain and the recovery time for that one. Um, you know, my entire leg was broken, so you have to relearn how to get strength in the leg, you have to relearn, how, when you have a knee surgery, you have to learn, you have to re reteach yourself mobility how to bend how to do anything at all really um balance um stand up for long um i can't really bend down anymore because it hurts it physically hurts me um because my left leg is entirely made of metal and um i was living in texas prior to this year and texas really doesn't we we get like maybe like 30 days of really cold weather like in a year it doesn't really get cold down there in texas i now live in st louis missouri and it is cold as hell over here and i definitely feel um the metal inside of me um i can every time it rains anytime it snows i am in pain i am in a lot of pain i my doctor said it's due to a change in air pressure and I guess the titanium inside of me feels that change. <laughs> so I deal with a lot of, um, I wouldn't even call it an ache. It's a severe, it's a real pain that I have to deal with anytime it rains or snows. And when it's cold, I can actually feel the placement of the metal inside of my, inside of me. So that is new. That is something new that I'm dealing with that I've never really felt before because I've never really been exposed to cold weather before. So um, each surgery, no matter what it is, no matter who you are, um, surgeries, they come with different, your body is completely different after you alter it with the surgery. So there are different things that you have to adjust to, different things you have to get used to. And I've had four major surgeries, um, but I'm, I'm always gonna need more probably throughout my life just to maintain my quality of life. I must remind everyone listening, if you don't have cerebral palsy and you aren't aware, there is no cure for cerebral palsy. So really these surgeries are just, just to help maintain my quality of life and to help me get around a little bit better, help with my mobility. Um, as I'm getting older, I'm 24 now. As I'm getting older, I'm becoming less stubborn and less inclined to care what people think about me. So I'm walking a lot more with my cane than I used to. But um, when I was like in my middle school and high school years, um, I was literally jumped for having cerebral palsy and I got my finger cut off before and I was recorded falling and being put on the internet. So when you are in such a toxic environment around such evil little children, you necessarily don't want to use the things that you use to walk because you become an even more obvious target to those kids. So... Um, and then when I was in college, I didn't really want to use my cane or my crutches because it would really slow me down. 
um, and the campus that I went to school at, shout out to Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas, it was not geographically set up for anybody disabled. So, so um, that was, that whole time at that campus, the whole four years I spent there was really hard on me. I probably walked a mile a day, probably the most fit I've been in my entire life, but it definitely took a toll on my body. I was definitely walking and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, but you know, what are you gonna do? You gotta go to school, you gotta go to college, you try to be independent, and you you really see how far your body can take you. Um, I really take what doctors tell me kind of with a grain of salt. I know that sounds bad and I don't, um, I don't advise anyone to take my advice, but I just really kind of just take what doctors tell me with a grain of salt and I try to see what my body and my spirit can do on its own. Because if I would listen to doctors, technically I'm supposed to be mentally retarded. Technically I'm supposed to be blind and not able to speak for myself. Technically I'm supposed to be in a wheelchair. I'm not even, I wasn't even supposed to make it to two years old and I'm 24 years old. So I kind of take what doctors tell me with a grain of salt, but when it comes to my orthopedic needs and my needs regarding my legs, of course I do take that into consideration because as I get older my mobility is a little bit more effective than it ever really has been. Um, in these recent months I've taken more nasty falls and hard falls with like major bruises and soreness the next day than I have ever had before when I was a kid when when anyone is a kid they're really they're more resilient they fall they get back up they don't think about the pain they're just like well whatever when you're an adult and you fall <laughs> and and it, you're still recovering for two weeks after the fall you know I have to be a little bit more careful with the things that I do which is why I have opted to be walking with my cane more than I really ever have before um, and I just, I just have to suck it up, suck up my pride and deal with it because that's what comes with having cerebral palsy. And I would much rather walk with my cane now than fall again and have to do a whole major surgery on my knee again because I was stubborn and, you know, I fell when I could have avoided that fall by using my crutches. So there are things that I deal with every day that aren't going away. Um, such as like pain. I have pain in my hips now. I have arthritis pain in my knees. My feet are super, super sensitive. I'm, I have trouble with mobility. So, you know, staircases and curves and inclines of any kind, they really scare me and they give me a little ping of anxiety in my chest because it's hard for me to get around in such areas. But I know that I will need more surgeries in my life and I am very grateful to modern medicine because without it I wouldn't be able to get around as much as I do today. Before my tendon release surgery when I was six years old, I was literally referred to as a ballerina by most people because my feet wouldn't touch the ground. I would walk on my tippy toes and that is not safe nor is it good to walk only on your tippy toes. So after that tendon release surgery I was able to walk with my feet on the ground. Um, as I get older, I tend I tend to notice that I'm starting to walk on my tippy toes again. So it's probably time for another surgery come soon. But I really try to stay as independent and as healthy as I can before I tell the doctor, you know, the real pain that I'm feeling so they can evaluate and see what kind of surgery that I'm going to need next. I really try to live the best life that I can without complaining before I say anything to my doctor because I want to see how far I can push myself and how far I can make it. So 
with these surgeries, I know that more to come. There is more to come. And I know that I'm probably going to have to have good health insurance now that I am an adult. Um, and that is a whole other issue within itself because up until a couple years ago, cerebral palsy was considered a pre-existing condition and no job nor insurance company would even look my way because I have so many medical needs. And when it comes to pain that I feel and things that I go through, a lot of times I'm really an experiment to these doctors. They don't really, I have, for example, I have, um, nerve twitches, um, I don't know why they happen, I don't know what triggers them, but I know when it does happen, my legs literally twitch for like minutes to hours on end, and it feels like someone is lighting the veins inside of my leg on fire. You tell a doctor that, they're going to throw you some muscle relaxers, some nerve medicine, but they're not entirely sure what is causing the pain, what is causing the flare-up. So they're just kind of throwing these medications at you, and um, I don't want to be a guinea pig for medication i don't think that i understand that medication is healthy you know to a certain extent and modern medicine has changed the world la 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 i don't want to be pu putting this foreign poison into my body for my entire life um if you listen to a doctor i should be on percocet i should be on hydrocodone but i i refuse and i opt out to take those narcotics because I don't want to rely on narcotics to make me feel like I'm not in pain. So a lot of times I just choose to be in pain and just suck it up and deal with it. You'll never hear me complain unless I really am in pain. And even then I'll probably just take a Motrin because I don't want to take any narcotics. I just don't. That's not something that I ever want to do. Um, the propensity for addiction and, you know, relying on those kind of hard, hard medications is too high. And I'm too young to be, you know, popping perks <laughs> and doing all that kind of stuff. I don't want to mess up my body. I don't want to mess up my liver more than it already is from all the medications I've taken in my life. So um, I choose to do other things. I choose to smoke. Um, not, not now. I'm on a break. But um, medical marijuana can come a long way if you believe in that. Um, it really does just lessen, lessen the pain that you feel. Of course, it doesn't take it away. But if anything, it takes my mind off the pain that I have. But um, that is an option for me. But honestly, for the most part, I really just deal with the pain that I feel. And once it gets bad, that's when I will speak up and <laughs> talk to a doctor or talk to my family. <sighs> once I feel like, okay, maybe I shouldn't keep this a secret anymore. But um, I'm always going to have to think about my health care. And I don't know a single 25, 24-year-old that they think about health care. They only think about health care when they think they're coming down with the flu or, you know, God forbid, break their leg or something like that. Health care is literally like the ongoing issue in my life. I'm always going to need a doctor. I'm always going to need to see a doctor. I'm always going to need some sort of medical help. So me finding healthcare and finding coverage that can cover everything that comes with having cerebral palsy, um, because I do live in America, shout out to the people in foreign countries listening to me, Canada and the UK. I know I had a few listeners, thank you so much. But um, we do not have universal healthcare. So 
It's not that easy for me to get coverage, especially transitioning from being a kid with cerebral palsy to an adult with cerebral palsy and really kind of having to figure this out on my own. I don't have a designated social worker to help me go through all the things that I go through. So really, I'm trying to figure out for myself what is the best job with the best coverage I can get for all my medical needs. And a lot of jobs, really, legally, they can't say that they're turning me away. But if I meet all the other criteria and there's no other reason not to hire me you know I I pretty much understand that that is a big reason why they didn't hire me because they don't want to take on the liability that it is to hire someone with cerebral palsy um, an example being I have I'm I'm a certified nursing assistant but I could not find a job anywhere um, in Texas nobody would want to hire me because I was a liability to to the establishment going in there because um, a CNA is, is a physical job, it is, but I could do it. I um, It might take me a little longer and I might, you know, it might take everything in me, but I can do it. And I had a heart for it. And actually my first job out, out of college, um, I worked for a family inside of their home and I was hired personally by the mother. Um, but that's the only reason that I got the job because the mom met me and she saw something in me. But if I go through a company, they're they're gonna turn me away the moment that I go through the door actually and I started off college getting my nursing degree and then I smartened up a little bit and realized that it might be a little harder on my body so I ended up getting a criminal justice degree and my aspirations for that degree clearly I cannot be a correctional officer or a cop I want to use that degree to um become a psychologist and get my master's degree in psychology so I can work with um, inmates and younger populations before they get to prison or while they are there that is my goal for life or to become a psychologist in general and be able to diagnose and help people that way but those are my goals but again cerebral palsy um, kind of altered those goals because as long as I've been alive I've wanted to be a nurse that's all I've ever wanted to do I have such respect for nurses um, I have been in and out of hospitals my whole life if it wasn't for my cerebral palsy when I was three years old I got ran over by a car and when I was 13 years old I got my finger cut off and when I was nine years old I got pushed off a jungle gym by some bullies at school and I had to get a back brace so I have always been inside of a hospital it seems like so I have tremendous respect for nurses and the nursing profession and I have always just wanted to be that nurse that made a difference but I had to kind of have a little bit of a career change and a little bit of perspective change if I wanted to maintain my quality of life so I chose to get a criminal justice degree and understand the system from the inside so I can change it so that is my medical issue you guys and those are just some of the things that I go through with cerebral palsy the Botox the physical therapy the braces the crutches the pain the falling constantly um, the struggle to find shoes and of course the major surgeries that I've had um, this is not the end-all be-all I know that I will have to have surgeries again in my life it really depends on where my cerebral palsy decides to go and if I injure myself along the way <laughs> so uh, fingers crossed that I have no major injuries this year and I stay as healthy as I possibly can but yes this is my that is my medical story um that I can contain into a podcast that doesn't go on for hours and hours um but that is what I go through medically I've had four major surgeries 
I have walking utensils with me everywhere I go, whether it's arm crutches or a little cane. I have back braces, I have leg braces. I have been prescribed so many pain medications and nerve medicines and muscle medicines. Um, cerebral palsy is really just a, just a game of tit for tat. You kind of see what works for you and you kind of go for it. And if it doesn't work, you try something else. And that is just the life of a 21st century cripple. And that is some of the things that you go through when you have a physical disability. Um, aside from the job discrimination and the ignorance that you that you get, you know, every day stepping outside of your home. Um, I do have medical issues. They're going to follow me literally throughout my whole entire life. Um, I have a lazy eye because of my cerebral palsy because something in my brain, I don't know, <laughs> it causes my my left eye to veer off to the side a little bit. So literally, like every part of my medical life is affected by my cerebral palsy, but I'm proud of who I am and I'm taking everything with a sh- with stride and I'm I'm grateful that I live in a time where I do have the option to go to the doctor and get help with these issues because I know, you know, hell, if I was born 100 years ago, I'd probably be put in a mental institution for having cerebral palsy. They wouldn't know what to do with me. So I feel blessed to to be in the time that we do live in, but also it's really not that easy to come across because we do live in America and healthcare is not free, nor is it cheap. So that is my medical issue, you guys. Thank you for tuning in to the 21st Century Cripple. And please remember to share, um, subscribe, follow to my podcast, um, to anyone that will listen, anyone that you think that will listen to to me and interest in what I have to say. If you work with kids that have cerebral palsy and you listen to this, if you've met someone disabled and I have changed your perspective in any way, that is what this podcast is for. So once again, I want to thank everyone for listening to me. This is Cece and this was the medical episode of 21st Century Cripple.